0: structured study of the truth of happiness. This class is on karma and rebirth, um, both very misunderstood um, ideas in uh, modern Buddhism and the modern world. Uh, last week's class, Matt gave an excellent presentation of the five clinging aggregates, the, the Buddha's description of the ongoing personal experience of suffering, the first noble truth. So. The five clinging aggregates, form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness are that vehicle that suffers, uh, beginning with form. Every human being has a form that in order to have a human life, you have to have a form. And That form provides the, um, the vehicle for that life. In other words, the, the, all the organs and the brain, the physicality, is an aspect of having a human life. But then there's the feeling aspect of physicality, isn't it? It's really the human body that first feels. It feels by by touch. Um, but the human body also manifests feelings that are often confused with the reality just because the feeling is there. So I know I'm getting a little bit, I'm getting a little confusing, but let me clarify that form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, consciousness. So this is the form that feels. But the next thing that the human body does is think or it has a perception. (coughs) And that is the beginning of an emotion, a thought attached to a feeling. And once that thought attached to the feeling becomes the reality for that individual, that's now a mental fabrication. Right, and that all of this is maintained and continued through consciousness. But as we say often here, this is not some consciousness with a a capital C. It's not cosmic consciousness or one mind consciousness or anything else except an aspect of the five clinging aggregates, which are what? That's consciousness, which is ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. So that whole process that begins with, with animating my life through feeling and then thinking about that feeling, Forming a perception that leads to a fabrication is now maintained by on by consciousness, by ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Is everybody following me? Does anybody have any questions about that? Because that's an important. No, we'd be some. we become so enamored with our thinking because we think that our thinking is us. You no, know, I think therefore I am. That's the biggest lie that's ever been manifested. it is that but it is that that thinking vehicle that we also employ to recognize our own ignorance and so this is where an important aspect of karma comes in now let me let me get into reading some of the chapter that it's getting a little bit ahead of myself so i'm not going to read the whole chapter i know you all did and you all did extensive writings on it like you're doing every week <laughs> the buddha's words Describing karma, I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions. I am born of my actions and related through my actions. My actions will determine the fortune or misfortune in my life. That's true for every human being. No one can escape it. Karma or Sanskrit karma, karma and rebirth are closely linked concept of the Buddhist teachings. You can't teach karma without rebirth and vice versa. Despite modern presentations that the Buddha taught karma and rebirth only to relate to the prevalent beliefs of his time and are not useful or relevant teachings today, understanding karma and rebirth is essential to these teachings and essential to awakening. So there's, there's a few modern Buddhist sects that teach karma in a way as having some significance, but as, as the, uh the modern look on karma is how that's often presented, which is that karma is this grand unified behavior modification scheme based on reward and punishment. And that's how most people think of karma. And it has nothing to do with karma at all. The Buddhist teaching on karma and rebirth refuted many of the common beliefs rooted in um, the Vedas and the Upanishads, the precursor to modern Hinduism. And so the teachings of karma today and modern buddhism are rooted more in hinduism than what the buddha taught and that's true of most of most of modern buddhism is is more akin to hinduism than it is to what the buddha taught anyway that's not to 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 denigrate modern buddhism every religion has some kind of history behind it and that happens to be the history of modern buddhism most and even that filters into most yoga teachings which are entirely based on hindu hindu teachings where Siddhartha Gautama is also described as one of their gods, and of course he wasn't, he was just a human being, who thought very well. Understanding these teachings as they were originally presented, and in the context of the Four Noble Truths, brings insight and clarity to the Eightfold Path, and can help one recognize contradictions and confusing Buddhist teachings, Mm that are merely later developed adaptations and accommodations to the original teachings. So anytime you come across karma in that a magical, mystical, behavioral modification kind of way, you know that it's an adaptation. It's not what the Buddha taught. Karma and rebirth are conditions arising from ignorance. Karma means action. Karma is in no way punishment as a result of arbitrary judgments from a supreme being. Karma is not the, the consequences from a vague, independent moral ethical spiritual system and even saying that now that sounds almost ridiculous isn't how could that even take place but yet most people's belief in karma is just that karma is not a condition imposed on you you alone and i alone are the cause of your karma and you alone are the cause of your rebirth so as we're moving along here you're going to see that rebirth has nothing to do with the future life Rebirth, as the Buddha teaches rebirth, as I teach rebirth, as we teach rebirth, is what am I giving birth to in this moment? And that relates to what we're holding in mind, which again relates directly to karma. Karma should not be viewed simply as what is unfolding in your life. This is the, the, um, the most accurate description I can come up with with karma. Karma is the present unfolding of past intentional actions moderated by a present state of understanding and quality of mindfulness. So what that means is we become habitual in our actions often, especially actions that through those five clinging aggregates are now solidified as mental fabrications, And that's what creates the kind of groundhog day effect of our life. Things seem to happen over and over again, but that's because of the quality of mind that we bring into each moment over and over again. So for, in order for ignorance to continue, and to continue to create, to create distraction and stress in our lives, we have to bring that ignorance into each moment from the past to the present. It's up to us to maintain ignorance. It's up to us to maintain karma or to interrupt ignorance. And so interrupt the unfolding of karma. As your present state of mindfulness and understanding animate your current actions, Your current actions are moderating the effects of past actions. So what does it mean? So I am, um, until I have control of my mind, I'm regurgitating one, one poor quality of mind after another, after another, and bringing it in as the vehicle of perception in this moment. But since that vehicle of perception is rooted in ignorance, what am I doing in this moment? I'm only contributing further ignorance which means I'm contributing karma I'm contributing the effects of ignorance of four noble truths that is manifesting as stress in this moment karma just simply describes that on the ongoing nature of ignorance and really nothing more so because because I'm acting in this Because I'm moderated by my present level of mindfulness, whatever that might be, whether it's an awakened quality of mind or a very ignorant and maybe reactive quality of mind, that will determine how I am in this moment, how I'm rep- how I'm representing the Dhamma to you, or how I'm living in the world. It will always be an accurate representation of the quality of my mind.
1: So you're not trying to generate <clears throat> necessarily a positive. Karma or
0: negative karma. Yes. That's the catch because the present quality of mind would be absent of craving. Yep. And so we're, it's an important point that David brought up. I'm not trying to, to hold in mind positive things so that I can achieve positive things, right? That's just eye making. Mm-hmm. That's aversion to what's actually occurring in the world that Dukkha arises. So I only want positive things to happen. I'm contradicting the first noble truth, aren't I? It's simply not a possible thing to do in a world that is prone to Dukkha, but what we can do to prepare myself in this moment for the next moment is what, what's the most important thing I can do? Does anybody have an answer? If somebody doesn't have an answer, I'm going to stop teaching. Yay! Three. Close. Jhana meditation. Jhana meditation provides a concentration to allow me to integrate and hold in mind mindfulness, the only mindfulness we care about, right? The Eightfold Path to frame my view of what's occurring. And if I can do that with a well concentrated mind, now framing my perceptions by the Eightfold Path, I will no longer produce any more karma. And as I work my way through, The less than the aspect of mindfulness that are still outside of the framework of the Eightfold Path, now I'm able to recognize them and do what? Simply abandon them. I don't wait for some kind of dispensation from some amorphous God to say, okay, now you're good to go because you prayed enough or bowed enough or did enough good deeds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because all of that is making. All of it. All of it. All of it is rooted in self-loathing and the need for salvation for myself and others. Or I can recognize the foolishness of all of that way of thinking through the Eightfold Path and then give birth to another moment that is rooted in an awakened quality of mind. And now I'm moving towards awakening. Thanks, David. What this means is the key to these entire teachings. Through mindfulness imbued with wisdom, And now motivated by right intention, the unfolding of karma can be inclined towards release and awakening. So you heard me say this often. This moment in every moment of our human life holds the potential to incline my mind towards further ignorance and stress and suffering or incline my mind towards awakening. And that's the sole choice I have in each and every moment of my human life, whether I'm aware of it or not. Now, most human beings aren't aware of that uh, most important choice, but we are. The Bahiya Sutta relates just right back to that. If we're feeling stress in our lives right now, ask yourself, is this me? Is this mine? Is this what I am? Because if I come continually grasping after or averse to what's occurring, I'm only going to create more karma, aren't I? But if I accept that in this moment, I'm simply a reference point to what's occurring, a dispassionate, impersonal, disentangled reference point, I'm liberated. I'm free. My mind is calm. There is nothing then in this moment that could distract me or cause stress because now I've unraveled those five clinging aggregates and they don't cling together. And so they don't inform each other in a false way, in a corrupted way. My form is just my form. Nothing can affect it, save for what? What the Buddha taught, sickness, aging, and death. There's nothing I can do about that, but I can... Do something about the other descriptions of the the Buddha taught, which are karma. Grasping after what I think I need. Aversion that builds up over human, our human life, isn't it? We have to have a a history in order to develop aversions, but we do. And all of those aversions are then manifesting in this moment. And that's why I can't live with greed, aversion, or deluded thinking. Because it, it obfuscates, it precludes me from living in this moment. If I'm full of greed and aversion, rooted in diluted thinking, right? The three defilements. But understanding karma and rebirth, understanding the karma of my mind, what I'm holding in mind determines this present moment. That's karma. And it also determines what I'm going to give birth to, doesn't it? What I'm holding in mind. So I can give birth in this moment to another moment rooted in calm if I have it in this moment. Excuse me. I cannot hope to give moment to give birth to another moment of liberation and calm if I don't own it now. Does everybody follow me there? It's a key point. I can't hope to awaken tomorrow. I can only provide awakening right here and right now.
2: John, are you saying that karma is that ownership? Say that again, Adam? Are you saying that karma is that ownership of your responsibility to...
0: Owning, owning your karma in this moment is mm-hmm. yes that and, and another way you could put that is, is taking agency of your own life in this moment because we are mm-hmm. right this is our life to live nobody else's it's not god it's not angels it's not buddha it's not john haspel for you this <laughs> what was his name groucho marx was right this is your life
1: he an agency. And
0: it was always right too, so
1: taking agency in this context is developing the practice.
0: Yes. Thank you, David.
1: Replacing ignorance with wisdom. Yeah. Because that's the only way Thank you can it. grasp this moment the building blocks. That, I got a question also. In dependent origination with the feedback loop?
0: Where's karma? Oh, it, <laughs> what a great question. It runs right through there. Yeah. Karma karma and begins. A link. Is it, is it
1: karma?
0: Yes, from ignorance as a as a requisite condition comes fabrication. So karma is right there, right in the beginning. But you can also say with the ending of ignorance, there's no fabrication, and so there's no continuation of karma. And it's and it's it is it can be seen through dependent origination. So at when point of contact. Without figures, the scene is simply the same. Yeah, and we we actually touch on that a little bit later I'm here sorry. too. Yeah, no, no, no. You're bringing up such. A, did everybody hear what David said? No. 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 I, can, I never can hear
3: him. <laughs> <laughs> be, you can never hear him when you're listening listen. online. No, no, you can never. Well, hear. He I mean, I can hear him now. I'm but, sitting next to him. But, he
0: didn't say anything important. to the better. But at home, I can't hear
3: anybody.
0: I will, I will ask David to speak up from now on.
4: <laughs> I should teach him class more often. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, that's right. You could repeat what he said her, if, her you her know, in the future when
0: that would be it. Yeah. We probably should get a microphone passed pass around, <laughs> but we really should. Okay, continue. Karma does not predetermine life, it has nothing to do with life, except it can have that groundhog effect unless we change our mind. Mindful and well-concentrated intention within the framework of the Eightfold Path develops release from craving and clinging and cessation of suffering and cessation of karma. And it really is that simple. Within the framework of the Eightfold Path, we're able to recognize craving and clinging. And as we recognize it and abandon it, we're also abandoning karma. And then we're abandoning giving birth to another moment rooted in ignorance. We're giving birth to a moment rooted in Calm, rooted in understanding. The Buddha's words, whatever one continues to pursue with their thinking, pursue with their thinking, what am I chasing after, becomes the inclination of their awareness or their mindfulness. Again, whatever we're holding in mind. Being mindful of right intention and abandoning thinking imbued with craving, clinging, and sensuality includes inclined, <laughs> in, inclines the mind towards release. And how do we do that? How do we gain control of our mind enough to be able to do just that, to recognize and stop craving and clinging. It takes concentration. I'm sorry, Becky? Jhana meditation. meditation. Thank you, Becky. Again, I'm just bringing it back to how important jhana meditation is, and especially when you're using the guided meditations from the website to support our entire Dhamma practice. So without concentration, there's no integration of the Eightfold Path. But without integration of the Eightfold Path, concentration is a waste of time.
5: So don't bother. Hey, John. As involved, yes. Yeah, I have, I'm have. i kind of confused about that one line that says karma does not predetermine life. So I, in my understanding, mm-hmm. I would say that karma is the seeds that, that help bring the next moment into fruition. So I'm kind of con- confused about that one line.
0: Without without dharma practice that's true but with with dharma practice we can interrupt karma so karma because in that within the framework of the dharma and probably i would say the only way to to interrupt karma is through a well-concentrated mind that can integrate the eightfold path so with right dharma practice with right dharma practice it's a rather simple and straightforward thing to interrupt our karma and literally, that's what we're doing here, too, aren't we, Lucius? We're changing the direction of our life, which is kind of saying the same thing.
5: Yeah. Karma
0: could be our the direction. My, When I was drinking and drugging, you know, I had a certain direction in my life. And meditation was one of the tools that I used early on to interrupt that extremely habitual behavior. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah work because even without the Eightfold Path, I'm a little contradicting what I said earlier, even without the Eightfold Path, I had developed enough concentration so that I could diminish my self-centered behavior. But I also had a support system too. It wasn't just a meditation practice.
5: Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that.
0: Thank you for the question. As with all the Buddhist teaching, the Buddha's original teachings, karma is taught in the context of four noble truths with the goal of the cessation of suffering. In other words, it's not just some um, conceptual idea that we should play with for the rest of our lives. It's, it's There's a reason why I'm teaching it. There's a reason to be aware of it. And there's a reason to understand it's up to you to stop it and undo it. In this context, karma describes the ongoing suffering rooted in ignorance and reinforced by wrong intention, the intention to maintain craving and clinging. The Buddha's words, excuse me. Karma should be understood correctly. The cause of karma should be understood. The diversity of the results of karma should be understood. Cessation of karma should be understood. The path developing the cessation of karma should be understood. Here, understanding means a direct experiential understanding. Karma should be understood correctly. It's part of our practice to experience that understanding. The cause of karma should be understood, which is what? Ignorance of Four Noble Truths. It's important to understand that. If I want to end my karma, I have to end ignorance of Four Noble Truths. And in doing so, I do end karma. The diversity of the results of karma should be understood. When I, I, I probably thought about that one line for years before it, I, I finally realized what it was. What the Buddha is referring to is the chaos that that, that ensues. From ensues is that the right word? Mm -hmm. That ensues doesn't sound right. (laughs) Why? From a mind that is not well concentrated, our minds are chaotic. The diversity of the results we can't have expect to have any handle on it because there isn't. That's the world we live in. But we can gain control of that. The path developing the cessation of karma should be understood. What path is that? It's the Eightfold Path. And notice the Buddha doesn't teach us anything else either. There's nothing beyond the Eightfold Path. That's the framework. That the Eightfold Path is, is the limiting aspect of our life. It's, it's the vehicle that provides for wise restraint in this moment. Notice that the words I just read are the same words that the Buddha uses to describe the truth of suffering. Karma unfolding, whether experienced as pleasure or pain, is an aspect of dukkha and, origin, and originating in craving and clinging. David touched on that before. So there's no such thing as good or positive karma. And if we hope to feed the next moment, we've lost our minds, because we meaning we're not in this moment. Excuse me. Breath. excuse me for a minute <clears throat> this brings dependent origination and right intention into understanding and ending karma the Buddha continues intention is karma with intention one does karma through thought word and deed And what is the cause that initiates karma? David touched on it again earlier, contact. That's that part of independent origination, where my form is now coming in contact with the world. It's manifesting a feeling because that's the physicality of a human being. And my perception is rooted now in wisdom and forms no fabrication and leaves my consciousness calm. Or conversely, I'm still rooted in ignorance and my, my perception, my thought attached to that initiating feeling coming from contact is now rooted in selfing and eye-making and can only lead to further stress and suffering. I read that one again. Intention is karma. So it's up to us. I can live my life with right intention or wrong intention. Wrong intention would be a very selfish way, right? Constantly rooted in selfing and i making Or I can root it in right intention, which is simply maintaining a reference point to what's occurring. A dispassionate, impersonal, calm reference point. But a reference point that is fully engaged with this moment, where a human being that is rooted in ignorance is incapable of doing, living life in this moment. And so most human beings go from birth to death, never having experienced human life at that level that we're striving for and achieving. Which is really the only place that human life can be experienced right here and right now. You know, another way that I often say it is we learn in, in, in relation to other people. We learn to meet people where they are. The only way we can do that is not to bring our karma into this moment to bump off the other person's karma. At least one person in that transaction has to have a common, peaceful mind. But it only takes one person to have a common, peaceful mind and maintain that in that situation. But most importantly, as I bring a common, peaceful mind into this moment, a liberated mind, Now I can be a reference point to what's, what's occurring. Now I can have this moment because it's not colored in any other way. Be the most meaningful moment I've ever had. Why? Because I'm living it period. Not because of what's occurring. You know, not because I just met the most wonderful person I've ever met. If I think that way, I've lost my mind again, haven't I? But if I can be a reference point to each and every moment in my life, then I don't need to look for anything else, do I? Because nothing could be more fulfilling than this moment. How could it? Human beings have been trying to make this moment be more meaningful than it is by grasping after baubles, by grasping after power, by grasping after recognition. And what does that do to this moment? If I got a big pile of gold and I'm getting recognized as the world's greatest meditation teacher and the world's handsomest, by the way, What has happened? All of those things have become much more important to me than this moment. Right? And because of that, because of the way that I think, I've lost my mind and I've lost this moment. Or I can recognize the stress and suffering of grasping after and clinging to, of ever-increasing karma and always giving birth to another moment rooted in ignorance, or... This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. And it never can be, by the way. Intention is karma. With intention, one does karma through thought, word, and deed. And what is the cause that initiates karma? Contact. This again relates to dependent origination and the importance of unraveling the links of dependent origination. Now, we do that through Dharma practice. We don't We don't carry dependent origination around with us and say, oh, here's this link and here's that link. Although it doesn't hurt to recognize when it arises, but don't get too distracted by dependent origination. Through right intention, supported by the other seven factors of the Eightfold Path, the ongoing process of ignorance resulting in confusion and suffering can be brought can be brought to an end through wisdom and ensuing. There's that word again. Right actions. Again, karma means action. So we can engage in wrong action or right action. That middle part of the Eightfold Path, it's there for a reason, isn't it? The Buddha continues. And what is the cessation of karma? From the cessation of contact comes the cessation of karma. Of course, we don't stop coming in contact with the world, but we stop coming in contact with the world in a mind rooted in ignorance in that moment. That's the cessation of contact that has any relevance to ignorance. We you might be wondering, how does one experience the cessation of contact? And again, the Buddha provides the answer through the Noble Eightfold Path. So if you're confused about anything I'm saying, develop the Eightfold Path. And that's true about any Dhamma class, isn't it? The Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path are the underlying um, vehicle for understanding what we're talking about class after class after class. But the reason why we teach class after class after class based on the suttas is because they all point in one way or another to understanding four noble truths. And as you've all seen, and most of you that are here this morning have had aha moments listening to suttas for the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time before it has meaning to you. That's just the nature of the Dhamma. in Dhammapada 16, I think. The Buddha states that without repetition, there is no Dhamma. That's why we do this. Any event that occurs in the phenomenal world is an opportunity to remain dispassionately present with a mind settled in equanimity, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, and to cease creating additional karma. Once a reaction to an event has occurred, further karma is established. Buddha's words. A fool and a wise person are both characterized by their actions. It is through the actions of one's life that reveals the fool or the sage. So it's up to us. Are we going to be foolish in our actions or are we going to be, be like a sage with wisdom and true compassion? The fool engages in three things, bodily misconduct, verbal misconduct and mental misconduct. The sage engages in the same three things, but with a different intention. Good bodily conduct or skillful bodily conduct, skillful verbal conduct, and skillful mental conduct. We have control of our thinking. Thus, friends, train yourself as a sage in thought, word, and deed. Do it that way. Let me get to something. While it is more desirable to experience the the effects of karma pleasurably, to have good karma, all karma contributes to dukkha and rebirth and all karma is to be extinguished. Again, this is what David brought up a little earlier. Karma is who you are in this present moment in the phenomenal world. Again, if you want to know your karma, take a look in the mirror. The more skillful your actions in the present, the more liberating will be your karma as life unfolds. Mindfulness of the eightfold path inclines you to right action. By being mindful of the Dhamma and living with the with the intention that arises from following the eightfold path, you directly impact karma in the present moment. You will change the direction of your life by changing your intentional actions and reactions. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. Holding the intention to abandon all clinging, craving, and desire and aversion diminishes. The distraction of dukkha, abandoning clinging interrupts the ongoing establishment and defense of your ego self. Unskillful intentions and resulting actions will create additional karma. Right intention will lead to cessation of unskillful actions and bringing an end to karma and bringing an end to giving birth to another moment rooted in ignorance. And that is the really the extent of any teaching we need to know on birth and rebirth. It has nothing to do with a future birth. It has nothing to do even with physical birth. It simply has to do with what am I going to give birth to in this moment? Period. I'm just going to skip ahead to the end. I just want to yeah, okay. it's the words of the Buddha, even if a person does not will and plan, yet if they dwell on something, this forms the basis for the continuation of consciousness rebirth takes place. So again, this is what we're holding in mind if we're ruminating about about things. But if a person neither wills nor plans, nor dwells on anything, no basis is foreign for the continuation of consciousness. Thinking rooted in ignorance of foreign old truth. Now, the Buddha is not saying, and I'm not saying, don't plan to pay your mortgage. That's not what we're talking about. Of course, we, we develop a well-concentrated mind so that we can live successfully stress-free in, in having a human life. This basis being absent. Consciousness has no lodgment. Consciousness, consciousness not being lodged there and not growing, no rebirth of renewed existence takes place in the future. And so birth, decay and death, grief, lamentation, suffering, sorrow and, des- sorrow and despair are destroyed. Such is the cessation of this entire mass of suffering, says the Buddha. So all those things that we're worried about, especially sickness, aging and death. Oh, my God, when's it going to happen? When we are simply a reference point to what is occurring, which is what every awakened human being is and does, none of that matters. Because the only thing that matters is this present moment. An awakened mind settled in equanimity will produce no additional karma. As no karma is created, whatever karma is left will simply ripen and fall away until complete liberation and freedom is realized. We don't need to do anything else about our present karma except continue with, the, with Dhamma practice.
6: dharma
0: that? Yeah, I, I'm just going to skip to the end because I, I think I've covered everything else that's here but there's a beautiful poem. I just love this. I still remember when I first came across this. This This concludes today's class. Just as in the autumn, a farmer plowing with a large plow cuts through all the spreading rootlets as he plows. In the same way, the understanding of impermanence develop and frequently practice Frequently practiced from 2,600 years ago, the Buddha is still encouraging us to practice frequently that removes all sensual passion, removes and abolishes all conceit of I am. That's today's class. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start with Sarah, but I got to go to a screen. Hello, Sarah. There you are. Good morning, Sarah. So.
3: This is a fantastic teaching. Very helpful and very discerning. This difference between karma that you hear talked about in the world so frequently um, it, it is actually a, a, an aversion, and it's a clinging and craving yep. to some paradigm of some f- notion of good and evil, and it's always fixated on what's happened. Or what's happening to us now, and what we want to happen to us in the future. Yeah. Whereas the the concept of a concentrated mind is is endeavoring to alleviate the 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 sources of stress in our life, um, which therefore <coughs> uh, calms the stress in the lives of those around us. Um, which is just powerful uh, this is why I'm here
0: <laughs> thank you Sarah and I think you you see that the, the consciousness of an awakened person well concentrated is incapable of creating another moment in karma because of that concentration and the clear consciousness now a, a pure consciousness so thank you um, I want to get to Nada I think she's still here What's going on? There he is, Nan, How are you?
4: Hello, John. always in. a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be able to attend um, a Saturday teaching.
0: Yeah, um, great to here.
4: I, I agree that uh, the karma, as it's presented, is always, you know, that I'm making. Oh, if I do, if I do well now, I'll do well. Something good will happen in the future. Yeah. But to through meditation to be able to slow down and think, okay, I don't. I'm going. I, I feel angry, and I'm going to react this way. And, and to be able to slow down and say, okay, I'm angry, but I don't need to say, act, react yeah. in, in in such a way, so that the, the the current moment through the meditation is the karma, as you said.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> well said, Matt. I'm so glad you joined us this morning.
4: Thank you, John. Doctor
0: Kevin. <laughs> good morning. Good to see you. Um,
3: good to see you too. Um yeah, let me um, sort of read what I wrote. I mean, and in, in talking today, you know, karma is really related to many of the links of dependent origination. But in a way, karma is becoming. I think that's because where eye making also occurs. Yeah. Um, it arises from contact, from craving and clinging. And if it is informed by wisdom, wisdom, karma inclines toward release. But if it's informed by ignorance of the Four Noble Truth, it inclines us toward the rebirth of suffering and ongoing dukkha. Yeah, so, well said, my friend. in your whole talk and thank you for bringing that out.
0: Yeah, thank you for being here. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, John. It's a beautiful teaching.
2: Thank you. Um, I I have a question. Uh, intention predicates an identity. You yep. couldn't have an intention without a an identity, a self. So, holding an intention, good or bad, isn't isn't that a form of selfing?
0: Yeah, a, a, the the difference. As framed by the Dhamma, is right intention is not necessarily a good or bad. It's framed by right intention is the intention to recognize and abandon craving and clinging in this moment. So the the, the intentionality behind it is is simply to stay in accordance with the Dhamma, as opposed Make to it. whatever whatever other intention I might have that would be rooted in greed and aversion, which then continues I making. Well, important question, Jeff. Um, De- Deborah doesn't have to, but Deborah, would you like to say something?
4: is good morning John. Good morning, Deborah. Is sadness self-loathing?
0: Huh. It depends what the intention is behind it and again it's such an important question. If my if my sadness in this moment is brought about because of clinging, in other words, I don't know, I'm just, I'm thinking back to when my dad died. Um, and he was 101, you know, not to say it was time to go, but it was time to go. So it wasn't that like a big shock. But my reaction was completely different than my siblings. And even when I walked into the wake, I still remember walking in and seeing my dad in his coffin. And I had this most profound feeling of great sadness, but it was rooted. There was so much Gratitude and that sadness for just having known this wonderful, just for having known this wonderful man for all these years. And we really were, after I finally grew up and started stop wrecking things, we became very close friends, and that lasted throughout his life. So I was sad, but I didn't need the moment to be any different than it was. But everyone else in that room. And, for, and I think for one, some reason, as soon as I walked in, it seemed like they all started crying louder, but um, <laughs> were um, they were they were reacting in a in a way that was not accepting of the fact that this wonderful man lived 101 years and it wasn't enough for him. basically. I mean, really, that that's what it was, isn't it? And I'm not, I'm not putting them down. I understand that. But that's the difference between a sadness rooted in a fabrication. And a sadness that I think was rooted in reality of just, yeah, I was sad that he was gone, but I was so grateful for having known him. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. Thank you, Deborah. Good morning, Lucius. Good to see you.
5: Good to be seen. Um, yeah, I, I, I was looking at that one line about intention is karma. And, uh, and it, And maybe I was just thinking maybe that that was that means that that we're doing it consciously. We may not know that we're creating new karma, but there is some consciousness to that when we're acting in a certain way. And I also thought that, you know, intention kind of like Jeff was kind of alluding to what Jeff was talking about, too. We can use that intention to and that consciousness to spur us on on the path, you know, we can either use it to continue that building of karma or we can use that consciousness and intention to break us free mm. from that cycle.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Lucius. You, cause you bring up something that's so important. We're not, um, we're not ending karma with some kind of a different mind than the mind that created it, right? This, yeah. we have this one human mind. What are we going to do with it? You know, are we, we going to continue to use this mind to chase after greed, run away from things, aversion, because our minds are still diluted? Well, we know better. You know, we know that we can develop jhana meditation that will lead to concentration that allows us to hold in mind the Eightfold Path at, to represent this moment in my life, to represent a, a right view that this human being and all those other human beings carry with them. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. Ongoing, right? That's that's the ongoing quality of mind of an awakened human being. Complete non-attachment. You could call it radical non-attachment. Related to the most radical thinker we've ever had, I think, in human history, which was Siddhartha Gautama, who figured this out. He said, don't go there. Stop eye-making. All it will bring is stress and suffering. And that's that's the entire first noble truth, too. There is dukkha because of eye making. There isn't dukkha when we end eye making. Right, Dhamma teacher Brian? Better agree with me. I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> I'm
6: not I'm not dumb. <laughs> uh, this uh, I just I just read the Bhava Sutta last week, and this I think it was the Bhava Sutta where karma is the field, consciousness is the seed. And craving is the moisture. Yeah. And hearing this today, it made me realize that karma is an empty field. There's, there's no good, there's no bad, there's no ignorance. There's no wisdom that all gets colored and populated by what we're holding in mind and the state of our right view and our right intention. If we're in right view, we understand that if I crave and I cling, I'm going to perpetuate karma. And if I'm if I'm in right intention, I'm intended to not do that. So it all of that just kind of came together and clicked this morning. So thank you. Thank you. And what happens when you're in wrong intention? You enter and remain in right intention.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
6: That's, it.
0: That's a Dhamma teacher. <laughs> good morning, Adam. Yeah. Good morning. Do you mind if you're on camera? Don't you don't have to be, but Becca, do you mind being on camera? Anybody, Mary, anybody? I should just ask the question. anybody no, no, no. My um,
1: name is Adam.
2: Hey, everybody. Uh, so two things. One, somewhat, first one, someone on the left, but it relates to what Deborah was saying about sadness. Uh, my dad died two weeks ago,
4: and he was
2: right. awesome. Uh, much, like, much like your dad, I think. And, um, but the morning is, is like for you, I think it's gratitude.
5: Yeah.
2: It's not that I don't have this thing it's not just clinging or anything like that attached to it. It's so just sort of gratitude for his having been here and you know had the good fortune to be his son. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: the other one was sort of a clarification that may answer itself in the asking. Um, at the very beginning you're talking the, the reading talks about action, which is the word action, which I thought was a good translation of karma mm-hmm. um, is um and that um, it's neither you know negative or positive. You don't have Good or, or bad karma. Yeah. Um, but then later on, it starts talking about how you want to extinguish it, um, which makes it sound like it's a bad thing.
0: <laughs> In relation to the Dharma, it's 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 an unskillful thing if you want to put it that way.
2: Right. So then um, David starts talking about the idea of taking agency um, and kind of disrupting that, you know, the cycle of aggregates that happen when you, you know,
1: um,
2: out of ignorance of Four Noble Truths, uh, started attaching all these things to form yeah. and, and con- contact with that form. Um, so I guess uh, I'm still a little confused as to whether karma is something we should be worried about and that we should be you know, um, f- fearful of, or if uh, it's just um, it, can, it, 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 it can exist, but. It doesn't, but we can live with it um, as long as we're aware of the, you know, Four Noble Truths.
0: Um, I would say it's not good to worry about karma. It's not productive or skillful to be fearful, I don't think, except in relation to I fear not ending karma, which is as a you know, kind of a rational, semi rational thought, I guess. But as we learn here, karma should be understood. So, so that,
2: it is
1: uh,
2: so it's not a good thing because it's rooted in ignorance. You know, letting,
1: yeah. it, it, letting it ignorance run the
2: show instead yeah. of letting awareness inform
1: yeah. the show. Yeah, we, it, we it's really just a field. It's a neutral field. It's it's not something we make it positive. The way the way we act, mm-hmm. um, but actions themselves are just actions. Right. Uh, it's it's the intention behind the action that causes consequences.
2: But well, if you have right intention,
0: mm-hmm. is this still karma? Yeah, it's still action. Are we right oh, will You create karma through right intention? No. Mm-hmm. You, if you if it's truly well integrated, I I think you're you might it's be karma getting. Mindlessness? Is that Pardon of, me. Is it mindlessness? Well, mindlessness so is taking agency. Yes, mine. Yes, that's what we're talking about. Taking agency is taking control of yourself, you know, really taking control of your mind. Okay. So, we can get caught up a little bit in bad karma in a moral sense, and that's not we're not there's no morality in the Buddhist Dhamma. I saved the morality that I'm a good person and I'm, I remain harmless to others because of that, but that's not a morality that's fabricated, it's not. I'm going to practice the the, um, the Ten Commandments because I, I want to be a good person. I am harmless to you because I'm harmless to myself, period. Again, so there's no morality in that, in that transaction. And there's no morality to karma. So it's up to each individual, whether you're aware of it or not, to understand karma or not. Those that don't come to the Dhamma, especially those that don't come to the Dhamma, through Cross River Meditation Center likely won't even consider karma. It will think it's what, if they consider it at all, it's what pop psychology or pop culture calls it. But we understand it as simply something that be understood because it's an aspect of the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. That's but that's really it. It's just it's to be understood that this is what's going on. <clears throat> karma should be understood means karma the in, intentionality. The mindless intentionality of maintaining karma from one thought to the next thought to the next thought is what we're doing. Interrupting that. Yeah. yeah. Great question. Yeah. It works
1: probably better to think of karma in in the categories of skillful and unskillful instead of good and bad. And the Buddha talks about abandoning karma. He's talking about abandoning unskillful karma.
0: Yeah. And if you want to recognize, karma in any way recognize it in relation to right speech, right action, and right livelihood. Because that's that's our benchmark for all of our actions. All of our thought, words, and deeds are rooted in right speech, right action, and right livelihood. And so we don't have to really be thinking too much about karma. But what we should be thinking about is, in this moment, right speech, right action, and right livelihood. Because then it, it, the, the karma will fall away. Right. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, everyone.
4: <clears throat> well, I like I like the way Ram explains karma, because it seems to me that karma, like you said, it's it's just an action <clears throat> and. If it unfolds, you can it can be you can understand it and you can change your mind or you can get carried away in into ignorance again. Yeah. And that can happen at every moment. I mean Right, left, right, left, right. You can. It, it, do I have that right?
1: Yes. Yeah.
4: Is, is that the way you understand it? Yep. No. So to me, it's understanding what's happening with karma in any moment. Yeah. And concentration brings that understanding. Yeah. And understand, I mean, Everything that we do, everything that we awakening, is simply right understanding.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, right view. <laughs> yep. Right understanding.
4: Yeah. So
0: there's more karma. Thank you. Yeah, right understanding is an, is another way of saying right view. Right. You know, and that is that, and that's what the that's the entire Buddhist Dhamma said. We're here to un, ultimately understanding karma is understanding dukkha and if we understand dukkha which is how the buddha taught we're here to understand it not eliminate it. by the way
4: it won't go away
0: it can't if it if can. it could then the first noble truth wouldn't be a noble truth it would just be silliness yes the buddha said the first noble truth is there is there is, there is dukkha 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 <laughs> because it's inescapable if you have a human life there's going to be dukkha so why take it personally really i mean it is dukkha is the same for every single human being that there's there's degrees of suffering, certainly. But every human being who has a human life is going to suffer at some point. The problem is that they will take it personally and so create karma. But those that have practiced Dhamma learn to not take it personally and so live stress free. Reference point to what's occurring. So it's
4: perfectly fine to be sad.
0: Yeah, if, when sad. it's appropriate.
4: You're going to have profound sadness. Yeah. It is your understanding of that
0: sadness. Yeah, again, when right. it's appropriate. Right. Yeah. When, when I'm sad because the Yankees lost, that's not appropriate. Yeah. sadness. That's rooted in I making.
1: All and I don't do to, it anymore. I don't all make. sadness has to be in the context of the yeah. It's outside of that. You just you understand something, it's not within the context of the three marks, then
0: it's not appropriate. That's right. Because you're, you are then eye What I mean so. by
4: understanding is you understand that it's not appropriate. You, you, you have the concentration mm-hmm. to bring your mind back to yourself. When you're, you know, banging your head against the wall
0: because the Yankees lost. Yeah. So the sadness is, and again, it's individual. That sadness is just because, just because most, just because as human beings, we associate sadness with suffering. In the Dharma, there's no suffering associated with sadness. It's just an appropriate feeling. It's
4: just an appropriate feeling, and it can be quite profound and really. don't want to say lovely but when it's
0: appropriate
4: it feels good to be sad
0: there's a magnificence to it if it's appropriate because it's an you're now you're touching your life it's it going back to my father's example might like when my mother passed it was the same that was after a horrible 10-year illness she was a vegetable fruit after that um but when she died it was still the same kind of profound feeling there was a lot of relief within me with but i was still just full of gratitude for n- having known this woman and it wasn't any you know i didn't have to hate god or hate her or hate anybody else and you know wish she had another mom it was just mm-hmm. um but again if if that year the yankees lost the world series and i and i had to lock myself in a room for three days that's that's pretty inappropriate isn't it and it's an and it, and it shows immaturity doesn't that's
4: it it's definitely the point at which you need to
0: change yeah. But but sadness appropriate sadness is what a human being should feel. It's why we are we are awakening so that we can be human beings. It also means that great joy is wonderful as long as we don't take it personally or need more of it because I'm so full of joy that what it was this wonderful sunset, so tomorrow's sunset better be just as good. And if it's not as good, I'm disappointed. Well, that's taking it personally. Taking it personally. Yeah. Or I can just have that Period of joy without thinking. Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Yeah. It's appropriate. Look at look at what I'm looking at. It's this incredible. I it goes back to this green a eye. Mm-hmm. But it was. I mean, it's magnificent. We're you know, I don't know why I always think of smelling a baby's head, but it always inspires me. Don't they? I have a great smell to it, and that that's wonderful, mm-hmm. part of life. But I don't need that to, to keep babies stacked up on the counter so I can smell the <laughs> like you that. Know? That's great, isn't it? Yes. Or it's aversion to or it's a not happening. That's having- a
3: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, wait a minute. Wait, I, better, I better edit that out. I'm married to a informed
4: David Smith.
0: Well, I only, <laughs> sniffed, I only sniffed one part of it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I keep it at I keep it at the top. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's
0: good. Now i teach you wrong. Keep your sniffing um, hot to yeah, the top. Is it um, fifth noble truth?
1: Yeah, it's it's such a simple teaching. Uh, and and, and it, you know, from the first lines, you know, I'm the air of my actions, and um, whatever I do, I, I reap the consequences. Yeah. And uh, and it's and the intention is is what what colors that, mm-hmm. makes it go through or so yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. It is. I I get. I'm around a lot of uh, modern spirituality where um, the the thinking still is that that you were supposed to um, supposed to make your. your
0: yeah, it's something to be manipulated. Yeah. You, you,
1: yeah. you can manipulate your, your good karma. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. And it goes, it goes right back to, you know, uh, Christian teachings and whatever. And it goes back to whenever there were gods, you know. People uh, invented gods so that there was somebody responsible for bad things and good things that
0: happened. To them. Yeah. Well, the, the Christian knows, again, not beating up Christianity. But the Christian notion of heaven is akin to the notion of karma, isn't it? You do all these good things.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well,
1: only
0: good things happen then. Is, yeah. I don't see good things, you know, sitting by the right uh, hand. Right. Right. That,
1: that still scares
0: uh, <laughs> the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It always did. I remember being prying still see Father Fagan standing in front of me. You. You. Yeah, it always right. said, oh, he, he was a tough, really tough guy for us. I can say, you're going to, if you're whatever it is, you'll be sitting at the right hand of God forever. Can you go fishing ever? Can you go, can yeah. you, can you chase girls with pigtails? If you're sitting at the, you know, it was a, it was the worst thing I could be promised. Sitting at the right hand of God. I want to do something else besides that for eternity. I'm a teacher, Mary.
3: So, I mean, understanding all of this is uh, complex enough. But it does um, it does underscore for me the importance of being able to live it, right? So that's yeah. different because you can understand all of this intellectually and find the right words, And you might not even understand everything. Like there's a couple things today that may not be as clear for me. But the key is to um, continue your practice. So your concentration deepens so that you can recognize these things in our fast paced life, whatever that life is of family, of work, of people, the world, all of that. But to be able to slow it down and recognize it in the moment, experience, um, the quality of your mind, hold yourself accountable. Um, that's that's the critical piece like you yeah. know like the easy part is today yeah. <laughs> this is the now easy gotta, part this yeah. is the nice part this feels really good right and then and then even the daily meditation twice a day you get to a point where you just you look forward to it and you know it's going to bring you you know calm and feeling good and then it's getting off the cushion and integrating all of this into who we are. Um, David and I often talk about it. And this is not a practice you do. This is a practice that you just are. Yeah. You, you be. Yeah. You be it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and um, you know, and that's the harder part. But um, it's a beautiful journey. So thank you for the teaching.
0: Thank you, Mary. I'm a teacher, David.
1: Uh, Want to remind everybody next Friday through Sunday
0: is our retreat. Info going out today or tomorrow, I promise. And it's
1: online and in person, so uh, please join a little or all.
0: But uh, look forward to
1: it. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you. Yeah, if you're within the sound of our voice, come here. Yeah, I mean, if you can make it here for the retreat, please do so if you're in, in the area. But please join us online um did i get everyone on did i get everyone online because there's for some reason i got two screens here okay okay um yeah our retreat begins friday info going out tomorrow um and please continue to uh, meditate twice a day around 12 hours oh thank you Mary. how can you tell if you got me just by straightening it. I got
3: half a brain in my head. I can. <laughs> I can bit. align that. Go.
1: That's right.
0: You did a good job. Just cut the top of my. Got it. I got to show my hair anyway. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful head of hair. Mm. Um, continue to meditate twice a day. Please use the guided meditations from the website. Um, all the time, as much as you can, because the verbiage there reinforces the four foundations of mindfulness. And if you get away from that, um, even a little bit, you know, you're losing some of your Dhamma practice. So it's best to use the guided meditations as often as you can. Pardon? You're here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, We'll finish with Metta as we always do. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is really the Buddha's description of the quality of mind of an awakened human being. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, emitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. (laughs)
6: See you all. Bye. So. Thank you. Bye, John. John See you can, we,
0: can we Thank have you. a discussion soon? Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.